And I want us to turn together and we're going to read it in John chapter 19. If you've got your book, that'll be the first scripture. John chapter 19. We find Jesus on the cross the last moment before he would pay the ultimate price for us. And in verse 28 it says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Verse 29, Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. In verse 30, this is what I want to look at. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. We use three words to translate the one word that he spoke. And that word was tetelestai. Now, I'm convinced the more I read this scripture, that the people that were there that day that were eyewitnesses of what was going on, didn't truly understand what Jesus really was saying when he said to Telestai. See, as it came to the end of his life, see, I believe words are important. And if the Word of God was made flesh, and he's lived these 33 years with an assignment, with a purpose, with a mission from God, and he finds himself at the very end of his life, and he came to the place perfect and holy to pay the price, and he had one last word to speak. Don't you know that word is important? Don't you know that his last word before he would die was very important? You know, I feel like he was speaking it to me. If I could put myself there, I, I want to hear him say it and receive it because he's speaking it to us individually. And I'm convinced that those that he was saying it that heard it, with their physical ears, and they were there, I'm convinced that they really didn't understand. And I'm convinced that many people today really don't understand what it means for you and what it means for me. I imagine that, of course, there was disciples there. John heard it. And John said he, he spoke it out with a loud cry, Tetelestai. I imagine the disciples were maybe thinking when they heard that word, they may have said, well, you know, he did a lot of good miracles. You know, we were there when he fed the, the, all the people, the 5,000 with the loaves and the fishes. We were there when he healed, you know, uh, the lady with the issue of blood. You know, he did a lot of great things, but he did his best but now it's finished. He did what he could, but now it's over. I imagine that the mother of Jesus who was there and heard the word of her son who she had raised, who was born of her womb. I imagine she was there and she might have thought, 
I'm glad he's finished hurting. Thank you, God, it's finished. I don't want to see him hurt anymore. They said you couldn't recognize him if he was man or beast. He had been beaten so bad. I imagine the religious there that day who had only moments before cast lots for his robe. I imagine they were walking around making fun. Ha, you thought you, you thought you were God. Now look at you. It's over now. You're finished. That's right. That's a good word for you to say. And I imagine they interpreted it in a number of different ways. But I hope tonight after we're done that you can get the interpretation that I believe it's from the Holy Spirit of the last word that Jesus said that concerns each and every one of us here tonight. Amen? I want us to look at that word. If you look in your book there, we say, what was the true meaning of Jesus' last word on the cross before His death? Well, let's go to the, the Greek word itself and see what it meant in the Greek lexicon. It had a, a few different meanings. Number one was to finish or to complete. Number two was to fulfill or to perfect. Number three was to pay what is due or to pay in full. The grammatical structure of this word that he used is in the perfect passive indicative. Now, I'm not an English teacher, and I don't claim to be. There might be some in here that know more than I do, but you can Google anything and find out what it means. So I did a little study, and I don't know if it was through Google. But the perfect passive indicative was, the, was how he used the term when he was there on the cross that day. And it indicates the progress of an action has been completed. And the result of that action is ongoing and with full effect. Can I say that one more time? The grammatical structure of that word and how he used it at that moment indicated that the progress of an action had been completed. And the result of that action was ongoing and with full effect. Now, let me tell you, that excites me, okay? Because what he did for me was good enough for me in my past and good enough for me in my present, and it will remain good enough for me in my future. It was finished in the past. It will remain finished in the present and it will remain finished in the future. Aren't you glad? He don't have to go back to the cross. He did it once. Now by faith, you can believe and know that your sin back here is covered by the blood, your sin in the present, and if you happen to mess up over here, it's covered too. Let's look at this word. Let's see what it, it really means, what he's really saying to us. Examples of how this word was used in that day. An artist would paint a painting or sculpt a, a, a sculpture. 
And the artist would, would carefully, you know, brush the, the strokes of, of the, the brush and, and carefully mold the shape of the, the sculpture. And, and when that artist was fully satisfied with that work of art, that artist would stand back and guess what he or she would say? To tell us it's perfect. There's nothing I can add to it. There's nothing I need to take away. It's done. It's finished. A builder would do the same thing with a building. Some of you might be builders. Man, the, the builder would look at that building, and of course they would go off that cornerstone, and, and everything was level, and everything was just right. And, and back in that day, man, it was perfect. And when that builder would finish that building, you know what that builder would say? He would look at that building he had just built and he would say, Tetelestai. A merchant in that day, if you had a debt, if you borrowed some money to buy a car, I know they didn't have cars back in that day, a chariot. Did they have chariots back in that day? <laughs> so if, if you borrowed some money from the merchant and you paid the last payment to that merchant, and you went and you paid that merchant what you had to pay, you know what that merchant would do? He had a stamp. And he would stamp that piece of paper that had your debt on it. And you know what was on that stamp? Indicating that that debt had been paid in full? That merchant would receive that last payment, and he would take that, that debt... And he would stamp it with a word. Y'all know what that word was? Tetelestai. This debt has been paid in full. You don't owe anything else. The priest in that day when they would bring the lamb in, the perfect lamb that had been examined, and they would sacrifice that lamb. You know what the priest would say? It, it has a, Teletelestai has a Hebrew counterpart, Kalah. But they would say when the lamb was perfect, there was not a spot and the lamb was ready to be sacrificed, that priest would use that word. Guess what word that was? Teletelestai. A servant or a son. When the Father had given the Son an assignment to do in the yard, or an assignment to do in the house, or something to do with the livestock, the, the Father would give the Son an assignment. And then when, when the Son was finished with the assignment, when the assignment was complete, when the mission was complete that the Father gave him to do, that son would come back from the field or wherever he was when that work was complete and he would go back to the Father and guess what that son would say to his father? Tetelestai. It's finished. The work is complete. Amen? So let's look at what was finished. There's a few things that I believe Jesus was saying when He said this word to us today and to those at that moment. The law is finished. 
The system was finished. What system? Any system whereby with man tries to earn God's favor is finished. The system in itself was actually from God. God set up the system to show men they had a sin problem. But after Jesus had come, after He had finished the work, there was no more need for the law. It was only by faith that a man could be justified, the Bible says in Galatians, not by the works of the law. So God was showing them, no matter how hard you try to do good, no matter how religious you are, no matter how many times you make sacrifices, it's not acceptable to God. Now you to be accepted by God, you have to have faith in His Word, and His Word is Jesus. The Bible says it in Romans 10.4, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. The religious system of the day was fulfilled and finished in Christ. Matthew 5.17 tells us, I didn't come to abolish it, I came to fulfill it. Now that it's fulfilled, there's no need for it anymore. Amen? Let's take the Ten Commandments off the wall of the banks and put John 3.16 there. Ooh, I'm going to get some stairs now. I mean, come on. The law brings death. It's the Spirit of God that brings life. That's what this conference is about. It's not about uh, uh, trying to obey some rules and regulations to make ourselves holy enough to know God. But religious people all over the place are still trying to do that. There's people in church tonight in this parish that are still doing that. And they're dying. The law's killing them. They need life through the Spirit of the Lord. That's why we're passionate about this. Let's turn to Galatians together. I want to read it together. Galatians 3. Let's put John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Galatians. Y'all don't be mad at me. Galatians 3. Let's start in verse 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. Are y'all with me? But the Scripture has concluded all under sin that the promise of faith by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Now listen to this. But before faith came, we were kept under the law. 
shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. In verse 24, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Did you hear that? He just said the law was our schoolmaster, but now that we have faith in Christ, we're no longer under the schoolmaster. We don't need the schoolmaster anymore now that we have faith and believe in Jesus. What else does it say? For you are the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. I want to tell you tonight, when Jesus said to die, He was saying the system is finished. The religious system of the day started when the children came out of Egypt. Every year they would come and they would celebrate the Passover. We remember the story how that they took the blood of an innocent lamb and they put it above the doorpost. Do you remember? And the death angel come, came and passed over the houses that had the blood applied to the doorpost. Amen? So every year, they would come together from all over. The, the, the Israelite, the, the Jews, would come together from all over and they would celebrate the Passover. And year after year after year after year after year after year, they would bring a spotless lamb to sacrifice for the sins of that previous year. Okay? It was a system that was set up. Okay, and the people would come and they would bring their lamb and they would take it to the priest. They would sacrifice the lamb and they would cover their sins for 2016. Cover my sins for 2017. Cover my sins for 2018. But the people were always thirsting for righteousness because they knew that it didn't take away the sin or they wouldn't have kept coming back year after year after year. They knew that it didn't take out the sin nature. It covered the sin, but it didn't take care of the sin nature problem on the inside of man. Only Jesus could come and take care and circumcise the heart and cut out the sin nature and write His laws now on our hearts. And in our minds, I don't need a law on a piece of paper and on a wall on stone tablets to tell me what to do because I want to do right. It's in my heart. It's in my mind. I don't have to. I want to. That's the difference in new covenant grace. It's about a want to, not a have to. Religion is about I have to do this, I better do that, or God's going to be mad at me. If I don't do this, I'm going to be cursed. If I do this, I might be blessed for a little while, but I, I can't, I, I'm always watching what I'm doing because I'm afraid I'm going to blow it and think that God's going to be mad at me when I do. Tell that religious devil to shut up. It was finished in the past. It is finished in the present, and it will remain finished in the future. Stand 
fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The yoke he was talking about was the law. The law condemns men. The law puts its finger on you. It's not flexible. It won't bend. It won't break. It makes the sin increase. Not decrease. It makes the sin come out. Tetelestai. God set up the system to show us that no matter how hard we try, we can't get it all right. I tried so hard, man. I tried so hard. Man, I grew up and I was religious. I mean, I could shake the preacher's hand. I could pray the prayer. I could probably even preach the Word. Because I had religion. But you know what religion got me? Nothing. It was a relationship. It was an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. It was that red letter word, man. It was that word made alive in me. One word changed me. Made me new. But I tried. Man, I tried to live good. I tried to live holy in my own power, but I'd always blow it. And then I realized, man, that, you know, God doesn't want us to try to live holy just to earn Him. He wants us to believe in Jesus because Jesus was perfect. Jesus was holy. He knew we couldn't be. You know, but He's forgiven us and He's given us the power to overcome sin. Paul said it. Sin shall have no more dominion over you for you are no longer under the law, but you're under grace and truth. See, the law was against us. The law was never for us. The law was true, but it wasn't the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. John 1.17 says, for, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. We're no longer looking for a system to make us right with God. Now we're looking to a Savior. We don't need a system. We need a Savior in Jesus. The old system is over. The old law is over. It's been fulfilled. Number two. Number one, the system is finished. Number two, sin and the wages of sin is finished. Sin and death done in Christ. See, the, the thing is, a lot of people think that because they sin, it makes them bad. But if they try to do good, and they try to do some good things, then it makes them better. That's a lie. 
Sin doesn't make you bad. Where did you get that? The Bible says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is a bad person. Is that what it says in your Bible? What kind of Bible you got if it says that? The wages of sin is death. Death. It's not about how good or bad people are. It's about whether they're dead or whether they're alive. Are you in Christ or not in Christ? It don't matter how good or bad you try to be. Are you dead in your sin? Are you alive in Christ? Which is it? Well, man, I, 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 I'm going to use this. Brother Dave uses this. Man, I give people a shirt off my back. Where does it say anything about that in there? That that's going to make you alive. You know, well, I never killed anybody. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it's not that hard to understand the New Testament grace. It's not. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I am come that they might have life and they might have life more abundantly. Christ came to make us alive because we were dead in our sin. Death is finished in Christ. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says, oh death, where is your sting? Oh grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Did you hear that? The strength, the power, the power of sin is what? The law. The law gives sin its power. So why are we so passionate about helping people to understand the revelation of new covenant grace? So they can be free and not be under the power of sin anymore. You don't have to be under the power of addiction and law anymore. You can be free from sin. We give Him our sin. What a great exchange, huh? We give Him our sin, and He gives us His righteousness. What an exchange. What did I do to deserve that? I gave Him my sin, and for my sin, He turned around and gave me His righteousness. He received my sin in His body. He received my sin, and I receive his righteousness by faith in Jesus. Amen? I, I died already. I died that afternoon. When he said to Telestai, I was dying. See, the thing is about the gospel, he didn't just die for you, he died as you. You died. When he said to Telestai, that was you dying. There was a death. You did die. He died 
as you. Wow. What an exchange. What a Savior. Wow. When Adam sinned, we inherited his nature and we inherited a sin problem. But when Jesus came, we now have a righteousness answer to our sin problem. He has made us righteous. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. Amen? Christ is the end of the law. Remember Romans 5.12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. And who was that man? Adam. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. But who was obedient? Jesus. And now that we receive what He's done, I believe in You, Lord. I believe in those red letters. I believe in Your Word. I believe in You. I believe You, Lord. And now, because you believe, you're justified by faith in what He's done, not faith in what you do. Justified means just as if I never did it. Wait a minute now. You mean to tell me all that mess, all that pain I caused... All those drugs I did. All that stuff I did in my life back there. You're telling me that if I trust in Jesus and I believe in what He's done for me, then you're telling me that I'm justified? You're telling me that God looks at me and it's just as if I never did any of that stuff? And the only way he remembers it is if I remind him of it. And even then, the blood's stronger than that. His blood doesn't just cover, like in the Old Testament, when they set up the system, his blood takes away. Amen? The system... Is finished. Sin. And the wages of sin is death. I need to finish that last part. The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. In verse 57 of 1 Corinthians 15 says, But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have the victory in Christ. Amen? Amen. Number three. Shame, guilt, and condemnation is finished. When he said to Telestai, let's turn together to Romans and let's read it together. I want us to see it. Romans 8. It's in your book, but let's turn to it. Read it in your Bible. The first couple of verses there. There is therefore now... 
no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Amen? The shame, the guilt, and the condemnation is finished. All that junk that the devil tries to remind you of in the past to make you feel unworthy, to make you feel ashamed, to oppress you and to push you down. I'm telling you, when Jesus said to Telestai, he took that shame, that guilt, and that condemnation away forever. It's done in Christ. There's no more shame. There's no more guilt. There's no more condemnation. But yet he still yaps and he tries to remind you, well, you remember when you did this? You remember when you did that? You're not worthy to be called one of God's children. You're not worthy or deserving to preach the gospel. You're not worthy to lead worship. You're not worthy to, to have his love and his grace in your life. You're not worthy to be prosperous. You know what you did? And you know, I have an answer for him. I have an answer for the devil when he tells me, comes to me with that. And I want you to listen, because he comes to every one of us with it. Every one of us. Doesn't he? I see everybody in this place. Yep, he sure does. Come to me today with it. Come to me just earlier. You was preaching and he was coming with it. We're not ignorant of his devices. Okay? So he comes at you. You're not worthy. Remember what you did? Remember what you've been through? Remember how broken you are? And tries to bring a bunch of mess to your mind that's happened in the past, that's under the blood, that's been forgiven? You know, when he comes at me with that, I say, yep, you know what? Devil, you're right. I'm not worthy. You're right. I didn't deserve the love of God, but I received it anyway. Because it was a gift. All I had to do was receive it. I didn't have to do anything to work for it. I just had to receive it. You'd be crazy not to receive a gift from God. Some of you still hadn't received the gift. Man, he's reaching, he's got it there wrapped up for you. All you got to do is open it and have faith and believe and watch your life change. You just got to receive it. Believe it. Receive it. You start believing right, you'll start living right. It ain't the other way around. You can't try to live right and then expect by living right you're going to start believing right. That's crazy thinking. That's religious thinking. You've got to start believing right first, and then you'll start living right out of a want to, because now He's written His law on your heart. And He's written it in your mind. And you know who you are. That's why these red-letter words are so important. 
to get in that Word, man. That's why we do what we do to try to get this Word in you because it's the Word that's going to sustain you. It's the Word that's going to keep you. It's the Word that's going to build you up. It's the Word that's going to encourage you. It's the Word that's going to move you into your future and your destiny. It's, the, it's alive. The Word's alive. It's alive. He's alive. Praise the Lord. I can't believe I've made it in time. Praise the Lord. Let's look at that last page together. I want to share one more thing and then I'll get to that last page. I had something written down here that I want to share with you. By your works, you did not become a sinner. It was by the work of one man. We understand that now. It was by Adam's sin that, that sin and sin nature entered into the world. By your works, you did not become a sinner. And by your works, you did not become righteous. By your works, you cannot cancel what Adam did. And by your works, you cannot cancel what Jesus did in your life. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness, not by the works of the law. Jesus completed the mission he was given here on this earth to do. Jesus fulfilled the prophecies in the old covenant. Jesus paid the price for our sin in full. He stamped my debt with tetelestai. The debt I couldn't pay, where's my stamp? He took, I, I, I hope I don't break it. He took, he took my debt that I couldn't pay and he stamped it. Your debt's been paid in full. It's been paid. It's paid for. His last word is our first word. His last breath is our first breath. He died and we were made alive in him. It is complete, it is fulfilled, and it has been paid in full. Amen? Hallelujah. I did mess up, but Tetelestai. I was a drug addict, but Tetelestai. I was a sinner, but Tetelestai. I was sick in my body, but to tell a style. Hallelujah. I am holy to tell a style. I am righteous to tell a style. I am forgiven to tell us. I am delivered to tell a style. I am healed to tell a style. I am more than an overcomer to tell a style. I am a conqueror to tell a style. I can do all things through Christ with strength. Tetelestai. Hallelujah. One word. One red letter word can change you.
One red letter word can deliver you. One red letter word. Jesus. Jesus. He does not want us bound by anything. He wants us to be free and to enjoy the life He's blessed us with, enjoying His presence, enjoying His grace, and extending His glory to others. Remember who you are in Christ now. Don't pay attention to who you used to be. That's not who you are anymore. Renew your mind to understand who you are now. Y'all can quote the Scripture with me. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Amen? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. Amen? Get the Word in you, man. It's power. It's alive. It's real. It can get in your bones, man. Let it get in your bones like Jeremiah. You can't shut me up. It's in my bones. You can't make me go back. It's in my bones. You get it in your bones, in the marrow. In your heart, let it be a fire in your heart, man. The Word. Strengthen you. Sustain you when temptation comes. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. It's the only offensive weapon we have to defeat the enemy. We've got defensive weapons, and we find out about those in Ephesians. But we've got the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We can cut... Amen? And overcome and live victorious lives. Don't be defeated anymore. You don't have to be defeated anymore. One word has changed me. When I realize that it's finished, it's done, it's complete, it's paid in full. Hallelujah. It's done. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together. Be dis- I got scared there for a second, said 9 o'clock up there. I figured somebody would have told me if I'd have gone that far over. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for this night. We thank you for your word. We thank you uh, that you loved us so much. Lord, that you paid the price, Lord, to, to make us holy, to make us righteous. Now we stand before you 100% righteous, not because of our works, but because we're justified by our faith in you and what you've done for us. Lord, help us to remember your words. Help us to to, uh, just cherish and hold on to the things that you say and speak to us because we know it's going to help us to reach our destiny in you. Lord, I speak, Lord, and I pray for everyone at the sound of my voice. Lord, there's a plan. 
There's a purpose and there's an assignment for every one of us in here. Just like there was one for Jesus, there's one for all of us. Lord, and I pray that you would begin to reveal to all of us, Lord, Lord, your plan for us. Lord, break it down. We need you to break it down for us and to help us know what it is that you would have us to do. And Lord, we just love you and we praise you and we thank you that you're leading us by your spirit and you're going to continue to let this word increase in us and increase in this church and increase, Lord, in the ministries that we're involved with around the world. We pray for Samson, Chambezi, the chief, the pastor, the church there that's being built. Lord, as we give and we sow into it, Lord, we pray that you would continue just to multiply them there in Malawi. And we just give you the praise and all the others that we're connected with around the world. Lord, we love you tonight and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a good night. Good rest of the week.